Well, a big welcome to each of you this morning. We want to welcome our campuses in Appleton, Stevens Point, and if you're joining us online this morning, it's great to have you a part of our service here at Celebration Church as well. Welcome. Would you all stand with me as we together recite the Apostles' Creed, our statement of faith here at Celebration Church? Would you join with me? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, this morning we have a very special guest once again with us here at Celebration Church. He's going to be sharing God's Word. We're excited about it. Uh, the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, a great friend of Celebration Church. Uh, we've been partnering with him, and he'll mention a little bit about that as a church as well as in his ministry. But would you give this morning a very warm welcome to the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher. Good morning. How are you cheeseheads? Y'all doing all right? Well, I'm disappointed. The Packers aren't playing in the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs aren't playing in the Super Bowl. So I got this great idea. I think that the NFL should have an exhibition game recreating Super Bowl one, except the Chiefs win. So maybe somebody can work on that, right? But I think it would be great. But I'm thrilled. I'm always honored and thrilled to get the invitation to come and hang out with y'all, all y'all. It's always an honor to be here. And I was feeling today, I was feeling a little crazy. And I thought, I better contain myself. And then I remembered, this is Mark Gunger's church. <laughs> but I am glad to be here. And just to kind of give you an update, you all helped us, our ministry, in December to do an outreach that we do every year at a prison in central Kansas. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that that was a huge success. We've been going in there for many years at Christmas because that is the most difficult time to be incarcerated. And we do an event where we do a concert, but we also have the opportunity to work with the chaplain's office and we get to go cell to cell to all 850 men's cell and give them a Christmas gift. And it was an absolutely outstanding event as it is every year. It, it touches my heart. I always wanna be involved in something where I, where, wherever I am where someone can't give me anything back. I think it's important for all of us to have that. And in our ministry, that's one of the things that we list as a goal. We want to be engaged in those types of ministry. But you all took up an offering and helped us to be able to fund that. And I would like to say thank you. When I gave the invitation for people to believe on Jesus, there were many, many men who responded to that invitation to say, I want to believe in Jesus. And we're believing for radical transformation to happen in their lives, like what happened to us as well. And we'll be back in that same prison 
June 10th through the, te- through the 12th, we do an event there called uh, Blues Behind Bars. I named the event. They actually had a name for the event. It was Inmate Appreciation Day. It's like, hey, high five, glad you're here, you know. It's, so, <laughs> so we named it Blues Behind Bars, and we get to go in, we'll set up out on the yard. They will, what makes the event so unique is they will let all 850 men come out at one time and come onto the yard. They, they normally have that segregated by gang or by race or in, in different housing units. They never let them intermingle. But in this event, they all come out on the yard. The JCs are there cooking hamburgers and hot dogs, and we get to perform. And this year, we coordinated it, and Mark Gunger is going to go with us and play organ and be there. So we're going to have a great time. I did bring a few resources with me that are out in the foyer on a table. Some of my music is out there. Uh, My book, Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave, is out there. We have actually have a series set uh, called Dream Acceleration, which is out there. But this being so close to February, I just want to highlight this one resource that we have. It's a a relationship a relationship series that Sherry and I put together, and it's called You're Not the Boss of Me. Some of you all need this desperately. You're not the boss of me. The subtitle is In Love and Out of Control. One of the greatest things that you will ever learn in your relationship is who is in control. This, this series has mine and Sherry's story on it, our journey, the things that we went through, because for those of you that don't know us, we went through a divorce. We were divorced from each other and then remarried and all the things that we had to go through to finally bring our home from chaos to a place of peace. So that's out there. All right, we're ready. Y'all ready? I've titled my message today, Why Are We Starving When There's Cheese in the Refrigerator? I couldn't think of a better place to preach about cheese than in Green Bay, Wisconsin. My text is 2 Kings 7, verses 3 and 4. 2 Kings 7, verses 3 and 4, and it reads like this. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the gates, of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they ask each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the army army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. The history of this story is this. The prophet Elijah had a word from God. This city was experiencing a horrible famine. And they were at the point where the entire city was to be wiped out. It was an awful setting. But Elijah had a word, Elisha had a word from God for this very troubling time. He spoke the word and the word was met with extreme unbelief. But it would take some very special people like these four lepers to believe or have faith in the word. They were people with nothing to lose. But in believing the word, they found a great victory for them and for their entire city. And today when I speak about the word, I want to make sure that you understand that I am speaking about the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ. So let me tell you the story of how I arrived at this title, 
Why are we starving when there's cheese in the refrigerator? Last week, January 22nd, I was scheduled to minister at Vidalia, Georgia. I had to learn how to say it. Vidalia, Georgia. And Vidalia, Georgia is the sweet onion capital of the world. Vidalia onions. Y'all had Vidalia, you get Vidalia onions up here? I love grilling Vidalia onions. Sherry will eat Vidalia onions for breakfast. I'm not kidding. It's good. But we were there, and as custom, usually when we go to a church, when we get to our hotel room, they'll have some snacks and things there prepared for us. And so we got there, and we, you know, we got there Friday night. We got in right before the, the dusting of snow in Atlanta, which paralyzed the city. And uh, I saw a picture. It had, had, like, had like just a barely, just a little snow on the ground, and the caption was, pray for Georgia. And uh, so we get there on Friday night and there's some, some nuts and some crackers and on the counter in our room. And, but the next, we didn't have anything to do until the next day at two o'clock and we don't eat hotel food. So we were in the room literally starving. And so these people, the pastors there, come pick us up to take us to lunch at 2 o'clock, and we get to a Mexican restaurant, and we're like ravenous wolves. You know, we're just throwing down everything in the place. And as we're eating, the pastor's wife says, well, did you find the snacks that we left you? And I said, yeah, we found the nuts and the crackers. And she said, well, what about all the cheese and the vegetable tray in the refrigerator? What cheese? You know, we didn't even know there was cheese in the refrigerator. So why are we starving when there's cheese in the refrigerator? And when I started thinking about that, I thought about this story from 2 Kings chapter 7 about these lepers, about this city that was about to be destroyed because of famine, about Elisha, the word that he prophesied that said, he said, tomorrow, there's going to be abundant food. It's going to sell for an unbelievable price in this city. When he spoke the word, nobody would believe the word. But the word came to pass, and God used these four lepers to see it come to pass. They went out. They were destined to die. They said, hey, we got nothing to lose. Let's just go surrender to the opposing army. And they go out and what they find is that the army heard something and it scared them. And they ran and left everything behind. And they found this great spoil. They came tent to tent, it says, and they would find food. They would find wine. They would find gold and they would find silver. I like the part where it says that they actually went in and got some stuff and took it out and hid it. They were making provision for the future. But there are some lessons that we can learn from these leopards. And I have six of them here I want to share with you. Number one, if we don't move, we will die. Sometimes we have to get to a place in life where we have no other choice like these guys. Where we're just so desperate, there's no other way out, but we just have to move. God never takes us to those places. You know, I know some people will say, well, God took me there. God created this calamity. God made this famine. But God never takes us to places like that. Our unbelief takes us to places like that. The Holy Spirit, when we're there in these places, he's teaching us to hear God's voice and to respond to his leading so that we don't find ourselves in hard times all the time. 
These four lepers, they could have blamed their sickness on their calamity. They could have blamed their government or their leaders on this calamity. And since it's election season, I have to make a political commentary here. I am like the most anti-political person. If you follow me on social media, this is probably the only post that you'll ever see me post that's political in nature. But we were in Iowa a few weeks ago and you know they're getting ready for that big deal tomorrow and I came up with a campaign slogan that does an overview of the whole campaign. Vote for Chump. Not Trump, Chump. C-H-U-M-P, because they're all a bunch of chumps. It don't matter who you vote for. <laughs> Thank you very much. If these are the leaders of our nation, we are in serious trouble. But ultimately, these lepers discovered that if something was going to happen, they couldn't shift blame. They couldn't cast fault. They had to stand up and say, we are going to move. We are going to do something. And you and I need to be at that same place with our circumstances, with our difficulty, with our hardship. I'm going to do something. Lesson number two that we can learn from these, lesser, these lepers. Lesson lepers. Lesson, if Sherry's watching, she's going, Jimmy, slow down. Slow down. Number two, God will use you no matter what shape you're in. God will use you no matter what shape you're in. He's looking for people who will believe, people of faith. That's the deal with God. God is God's big deal from Genesis to Revelation. He's looking for somebody to believe him or to trust him. There are all kinds of funky people in the Bible. People that we would not use that God used, like these four lepers. What qualifies us for God's use is solely based on our faith in Jesus and nothing else. Lesson number three, your fears when you face them run away. Your fears when you face them run away. God hates fear. God hates fear so much that the Bible tells us that wherever he is around, fear is expelled. Because he is our father and he is our father who loves us perfectly and perfect love expels, casts out, gets rid of fear. He hates it. Most of the time when the Bible is teaching us to fear the Lord, the real actual interpretation of that has more with the meaning of reverence or awe or respect of God, not a fear as if I am afraid of God. We don't have to be afraid of God. He is our father and he loves us in a perfect way. Number four, lesson we can learn from these lepers. When God's word says he will provide, you don't have to fight for it, it's a gift. It's a gift. Bible tells us in James that every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights. I love that verse. I love that verse. We don't have to fight for it. It's a gift. That's the radical aspect of what the new covenant brought to us. All of these lavish gifts from our Father. And it says this, 
in, first, in 2 Peter 1.3. 2 Peter 1.3 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. That verse freaks me out. Because when there's times of unbelief in my life, I have to come back to this place. When there's times that I'm experiencing what I feel is lack in my life, I have to come back to this place and say, wait a minute, either the Bible is true or not. And I have received this lavish gift that says that God has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. I have them. They're not being withheld. He's not doling them out as, I, as he feels like he should give them to us or as we merit something by our behavior. He says, you believe in Jesus? Jesus got all this stuff. I'm going to birth you again into this family and you're just going to get it as a gift. God's provision is a gift for us. We qualify that provision because of what Jesus did for us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for all of the promises in God are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Whenever you find a promise in the word of God, you don't have to ask yourself but one question about qualifying for that promise. Am I in Christ? And in Christ, being in that position by faith qualifies us for all of God's provision. Number five, the fifth lesson these lepers can teach us. God's provision for us is best if shared. God's provision for us is best if shared. There in 2 Kings 7 verse 9, it says this. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait till morning, some calamity will certainly fall on us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. These men had stumbled onto this great provision. It was more than enough for them. But they said, hey, this, this isn't right. We've got to go back to the city and tell those that are starving all that God has done for us. And I want to tell you what, if you want to see your life, the quality of your life, just take off like a rocket, start to share the blessings and the provision that God has given you. When you do that, I don't know what it is. It's something about the Lord. He just goes crazy. He just goes, it's just like, wow. I mean, how much satisfaction, how much joy, how much of God's favor and provision can I experience when I start to give out of my life? You know, I tell people, there's a lot of people right now that are critical of the church. And I, I believe there are a lot of things that the church needs, to, we can do better at, all right? So I'm not giving us a pass on the things that we fail at. But I want to tell you what I've discovered about the church. The church is some of the, you know, the church is full of some of the most generous, kind, understanding, loving people that I've ever been around in life. And having that among us is great. 
But when we begin to share that with people who are desperately in need, needing God's provision, God's promises, God's blessing, God's deliverance, God's salvation in their own home, in their own marriage, it just is unbelievable that wealth and the quality of life that you and I increase just for doing that. Number six, lesson we can learn from the lepers. Once the word of our provision gets out, the whole city is blessed. There's more than we can ever imagine. God is so abundant. He just, he's just like, you know, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to bless you and I'm going to do it. And just, it's just going to be unbelievable. These men went back to the city and when they got back to the city, they found the same unbelief that was there when Elisha spoke the word. There were those that said, no, this would be too good to be true. One of the king's advisors, when Elisha spoke the word, he said, he said, that wouldn't even be possible if God opened up the windows of heaven and poured out a blessing. It's, it's unbelievable that God would give us so much and we need to be out and we need to be those ones that can share it. So how can we apply these lessons to our own life? Number one, we can hear the voice of God. Well, I was, you know, Sherry and I, we've been, this will be our 40th year that we've been believers. 40 years in church. Uh, thank you. <laughs> 40 years. And you know, I've been taught different things about hearing the voice of God. And I came to this belief of that that was something that was difficult or that was something that was mystical or somehow God was elusive and that he wouldn't speak plainly to me. And until I dealt with that unbelief, I was always in confusion about what God wanted for my life. You see, the way I read the Bible, I don't ever find or remember a time in the Bible where God actually spoke to someone that they did not hear it. And then Jesus reiterates this in John 10, 27, by saying this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus here made it very plain and blew away my clouds of unbelief concerning hearing God. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And I can have the faith and assurance to know that when God speaks, I hear his voice. I don't always respond to it. You don't always respond to it. But when he speaks, we hear it. So how can we apply these lessons? Number two, we can be willing. We can be willing. These lepers never heard the word of the prophet. They were just at a place where they had nothing to lose and they were willing. One of my good friends taught me this. He says this, he's a preacher. He says this, God will always meet you where you are willing. 2 Corinthians 8.12 is a life verse for Sherry and I, and it says this. 
That translation says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and according to what you have and not to what you don't have. I think the King James says, I can't remember what the, I'm having a senior moment right now. Oh, there it is. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what a man hath and not according to what he hath not. And so God accounts differently with us. He's not the same. He accounts differently in that he says, look, it doesn't matter what you don't have. What matter is that matters is that you have a willing heart. These men were just simply willing. Number three, how can we apply these lessons? We can respond to his voice in faith and not in fear. Fear is something that you and I, first of all, it's not from God. And it's something that we were never designed to experience. It's an emotion that happened post the fall of man. We were not designed to experience fear. We were designed to respond to God in faith, which is trust. And really all that God asks from any of us is just simply, will you trust me? So how can we apply this lesson? Number four, we can face our fears. You know what I found in facing my fears is that they're never as big and as powerful as I thought they were. It was only an illusion. It was something that my imagination created that made them much bigger than I thought before. You know, I can remember, I used to have this fear about giving money to the church. And I can remember when I first came to the Lord, the pastor of the church we were at came to me and he said, Jimmy, now that you're born again, you need to start tithing. And I said, what's a tithe? And he said, that's the first 10% of your income. And I said, man, you crazy. That was my response. You're crazy. But I had to face that fear. And that fear wasn't as bad as I thought. And in giving and being willing to give and being cheerful to give, is, it, it, it just created this atmosphere that it wasn't nearly as big as I thought. And number five, and I'll quit. So how can we apply these, this lesson we can include others in God's provision. You know, I mentioned it earlier, but man, I, I got to tell you that some of the greatest joys of mine and Sherry's experience as Christians comes from when we've included other people in our lives. You know, how does that look? Well, we did it on purpose and we still to this day do it on purpose, but it just looked like life, you know? Because it wasn't something special. It wasn't like a big spiritual moment. You know, sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't. It was just like we were just including people and being with them or just hanging out with them. And in doing life together, we were sharing the provision, the blessing, the wisdom. We were teaching. We were doing all these things by just being there. And it just... It does something in your heart. I believe that it's like this. We have this great 
wealth of seed that we need to give, we need to sow. And that comes by us being in relationship with people, especially people that don't believe like we believe. If you don't have people in your life that don't believe like you believe, then you need to get a plan and get some people in your life that don't believe like you believe and become friends with them and share the provision that God has given you with them. And you'll be amazed at the miraculous things that take place because of that. It brings such a wealth and richness to your life. So I wanted to come today and just encourage you with this word. I hope that when you leave here, that you can do the word, that you will do the word. I know you can do the word, but that you will do the word. If I went too fast and you need a copy of my notes, there's some little business cards on the table. Just go grab one of those and email, you, email me from the website and I'll be glad to send you a copy of my notes. I just feel this about, about you. You are so blessed and God has given you such a wealth. Many times we don't look at it because we disqualify ourselves and we're not looking at the realities of God's blessing in our life. But this week, today, when you start to start bad-mouthing yourself about your failures, your mistakes, your own ugliness, like these lepers, you need to stop and say, you know what? I'm gonna believe the word because I'm qualified because Jesus qualified me. God bless y'all.